the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Silicon Valley Business Connections, brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce, where diversity and opportunity are one. From education to employment, entrepreneurship to innovation, this program is your weekly connection to the latest trends and opportunities taking place all across Silicon Valley. Host Carl Davis Jr. talks to the rock stars of Silicon Valley and offers you engaging interviews and insights from local, regional, and internationally acclaimed business leaders, entrepreneurs, and community leaders to help you stay connected. Now, here's your host, Carl Davis Jr. Hello, welcome to Silicon Valley Business Connections. Hi, I'm Carl Davis Jr. I'm your host, but I'm also the president of the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce, where we help all small businesses start, finance, grow, and even exit their businesses. We're located at 25 North 14th Street, downtown San Jose, or you can reach us via the web at blackchamber.com. Today, we have a very, very special young man today. Today, this is a guy you're going to hear from that's actually going to become a Santa Clara County Board of Supervisor. Isn't that right, Mr. Otto yes. Lee? Come on, Otto. How are you Thank doing? Hi, Carl. Thank you so much for having me and uh, really uh, an honor to be speaking with all of your listeners today. Well, I know that um, we're definitely going to dive into what you're going to be talking about later as you campaign. But before we do that, Otto, most of the times our listeners love to hear like a background of who the person is. And, And Otto, I think you have a wonderful story. So why don't you let our listeners know who is Otto Lee? Great, Carl. Thank you so much. I am actually an immigrant from Hong Kong. Uh, my parents moved to the States after uh, uh, the time it was under uh, British uh, colonial rule. Uh, you know, we have uh, pretty much a democratic values, but then when, you know, when China wants to uh, take back Hong Kong, we were, of course, a bit fearful of the communist rule. So our parents decided to move uh, to the United States. Uh, funny enough, we actually ended up in the People's Republic of Berkeley first. <laughs> <laughs> the People's Republic and, uh, of Berkeley. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> and then, uh, so I went to high school at Berkeley High and then, uh, uh actually, uh, was studying, uh, uh, engineering, chemical and nuclear engineering at, uh, UC Berkeley. Uh, and, uh, at the time, by the time I graduated, I figured that's really not what I'm good at. And I actually joined the Navy, uh, through the Navy ROTC program. Uh, I became a citizen and, uh, yeah, I was serving on board a, a cruiser, uh, as an assistant supply logistics officer, uh, in uh, Norfolk, Virginia for a couple of years. And then after that, I came back to the Bay Area, went to law school at UC Hastings, uh, still serving in the reserves. Uh, and then I've been practicing, uh, law, actually specifically in the field of, uh, we call it intellectual property. Property, which is mm. like patent, uh, trademark, and copyright, uh, you know, the, the engine of Silicon Valley, right? The protection of people's ideas and inventions. So that's what I've been doing the last two decades, yes. That is fantastic, especially when you talk about IP, intellectual property. You know, we just produced something called the Bay Area Black Youth Techathon, and we challenged mm. the youth to come up with something. Uh, the actual objective was how to use science and technology to better your community. 
and you would you wouldn't believe some of the most creative ideas that come out of this. Um, help us, um, Otto. If somebody has a wonderful idea, what would you give them as far as a you know their major first couple steps? You know, where should they go? What should they do? Who should they contact if they think they have a brilliant idea that's going to be pretty disruptive? Right. So the first thing you need to do when you have these kind of ideas, A, is don't tell everybody. <laughs> Not like me. Tell all my ideas. To, huh? to, to to talk to, you know, everybody you run in by Starbucks and say, hey, look at this great thing I have. Right? Uh-huh. That's the last thing you should do because the problem is in order to get the protection so that people are not allowed to copy from you, you actually need to go through the patent process. And to get a patent, one of the rules is the fact that the idea has not been disclosed publicly. So by just casually talking about it, even Thanksgiving in your family, that in itself, depends on who else tells who, uh, may be considered public disclosure that you don't really want. Um, and uh, the other thing you need to do at that point would be to do what we call a patent search to see that if your idea is truly new and we call novel, right? Because ultimately, you know, you have a good idea, but guess what? There's so many people with the same good idea, too. If it's such a good idea... How about these millions of other people? Maybe they've thought of it, like, say, <laughs> right before you. And if they've already gotten patented, then, you know, that idea is really out. So uh, those are the steps that you need to do. And then after the clearance of all that to confirm that nobody else got it, then you should uh, consult with a patent attorney to make sure that the, uh, the that your idea is being protected uh, or protectable. And then we'll have to file a patent application to uh, secure your rights. It's a, It's a pretty, you know, um, a long process, actually, from the time you, you know, start the search to getting the patent issued. Uh, and uh, But again, I think you do need to consult a professional uh, to do this, to, to make sure that your rights are protected, especially if it's a really good idea that potentially could be very valuable. You know, how expensive is something like that when you, when you say you're going to try to um, patent an idea? Because I've seen things, Otto, where things are like patent pending. So could you, you know, kind of walk us through some, even even if it's just a price range and say, well, it only costs X amount of dollars or X range to firstly engage with the patent attorney, but it's going to cost more to do the filings and blah, blah, blah. Can you uh, give us an idea of what does that look like? Sure. The initial search is probably somewhere around, uh, you know, say $1,500 to $2,500, depending on the field of invention. Uh, the actual filing of the uh, patent uh, depends on the field as well. Uh, areas such as electronics and software tends to be the most expensive because of the fact that the specialties are very uh, highly sought after, in, especially in the Silicon Valley, right? Um, so if you have a mechanical idea, something that's relatively simple, uh, the cost of those generally is still on the lower end. Uh, Say around you know, as low as maybe even you know, five, six thousand dollars, you could get an application in with a patent uh, professional. Uh, if you're following something that's like a you know a high tech area, I mean, this could be easily five digits, uh, depending wow. on the uh, area of technology. So it could be quite quite pricey to to get it done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I would imagine um, if someone had something pretty unique and they wanted to protect it. Um, walk us through how long is actually the protection or like, well, what does patent pending mean? That means that they file, but it's not, it ha- they don't have the patent yet. Give us a little background on that. That's exactly right, Carl. Uh, patent pending really only mean, means that 
the app, there's a patent application has been filed with your United States Patent Trademark Office, the USPTO, uh, and is awaiting for uh, an examination and potential issuance. It doesn't mean that it's been patented, but it does mean that somebody else already claimed rights to it. So kind of like stay away, you know, we've already got somebody else working on this. Um, and uh, so... By seeing the patent pending, there's a lot of times there's some values as well to some inventors because you know investors and uh, other folks who uh, are interested to uh, go into this market might want to to see that uh, you have done your proper protection because without the protection, it's fairly easy these days for people to come up with something very similar, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and then if that's the case, then there's no you know, real value to invest in it if anybody else could easily copy it, right? Mm. One other question about patents before I dive into uh, what you're going to do in your uh, in your race uh, what actually can you patent can you patent like you know I, I'll see things where people have like actual prototypes yeah but what about ideas and especially when it comes to software I mean that seems like that would be pretty difficult but uh, maybe it's not so let us know a little bit about that Otto. You're absolutely right. The uh, software patent has gone through a big change in the law in the past 25 years. Uh, early in the mid-90s, if you remember the dot-com first started, uh, everybody's cousins was getting things, uh, any software patented at the time, you know, websites, like they, they called the, the shopping cart or the one-click, and people getting patents on things like that, right? And so it's gotten a little too... Uh, uh, while for a while, and then you have people with those patents and go around suing everybody who has a website, basically, <laughs> right, to, to do e-commerce. Mm-hmm. So the law has definitely changed and has uh, tightened up significantly. And sometimes I would argue that it has actually gone too far uh, to uh, to restrict. So for now, to get a, a, a software patent is far more restrictive, is far more difficult. Uh, courts have uh, uh, avoided or canceled uh, many patents that was issued way back when they were. Um, times where people just uh, didn't have too many other, uh, we call prior art uh, the, to, to gauge on. But now the, the standard of obtaining a patent is only a lot stricter that they need to be some type of uh, highly technical um, uh, uh, information, uh, some type of R&D type of a data to mm-hmm. back up that this is really something that's technical. And as they say, it's not just some simple uh, financial business model that generally uh, has been refused uh, for the past uh, few years now. Uh, and, and and that's exactly the reason why I believe it's really important for somebody who believes they have something that's worthwhile to patent. They, need, they really shouldn't do this on their own. This is something that, mm-hmm. you know, like I say to kids, don't try this at home. You really need to uh, consult a, a good patent professional in order to make sure that your uh, idea is truly protectable. You know, now, when you do protect something and you get a patent on it, how long is that patent good for And, you know, I've heard that, you know, a patent is really sort of uh, honored in the United States, but outside of the country, you know, and you said you came from the Republic of China. I've heard that they say, hey, China really doesn't honor U.S. patents. What does that look like as far as the length? Sure. The uh, we got uh, about we got about two minutes, uh, Otto. Just so you know, we got about two minutes on this segment because this is so interesting that you do what you have to do for this one and then we'll come into the second part. Okay. 
So, yes, uh, patents and uh, the trademark rights are territorial rights. So if you have a patent or trademark registered in the United States, it really does not automatically grant you any protection in Mexico, Canada, or China. So because of that, you really need to file not only in the U.S., but other countries as well. Do so you want to get those protected elsewhere? And it can get very expensive when you do around the world. Uh, the term of a United States patent, so utility patent, is about 20 years from the date of filing. We also have this thing called the design patent, which protects the ornamental or the look of the invention. And those are good for about 15 years from the date of issuance. So I think I hope I answered your question. But yeah, the terms is about you know, a couple of decades or so uh, from uh, either the time following or 15 years from the date of the issuance of the design patent. Man, that's wonderful. That is, a, I mean, that's a lot of good information for folks who are listening to our show because we want to dive into that. But then I, I want to really talk about what you've done with your life and how you feel right now that going into this other part of your career, being a Santa Clara County Board of Supervisor, that you're that person for that. So we'll definitely get right back to you. You're listening to Silicon Valley Business Connection. Join the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce and watch your business grow. Participate in mixers, webinars, and training workshops to help start, finance, and grow your business. All with the help of the Chamber's certified Small Business Development Center's consultants for free. That's right. Sign up for one-on-one help from a certified Small Business Development Expert Advisor for free. Call 408-288-8806 or visit blackchamber.com. That's blackchamber.com. And now back to Silicon Valley Business Connections. Oh, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're in a groove right now. We welcome back. You're listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections. And we have our guest, Mr. Otto Lee. Otto Lee is actually going to run. He's gonna be in election mode in a minute. He's he's becoming the Santa Clara County Board of Supervisor for District Three, which replaces Mr. Dave Cortezzi. And that's gonna happen, right, Otto? Yes, that's what we're hoping for. <laughs> Otto, I'm going to dive March right in. March 3rd will be the first primary. Yes, go ahead. Mar- no, no. No, that's good. Did you say that? March 3rd is going to be the first primary. And why March 3rd? Yes, yeah, so this year California has moved to primary from June to March in order to uh, become relevant after Iowa and New Hampshire. Uh, and that's the reason why we have an early uh, election so that uh, the presidential candidates actually will come to visit California for the very first time in decades. Uh, and that California, of course, has the most number of uh, uh, voters and delegates, and I think it's going to be a game changer for the election this year. Wow, that's important for us to know. So it's March 3rd, 2020, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Correct. And and you mentioned something about California having a lot of quote unquote electoral votes. Can you share with our listeners is as as concise as you can make it, Otto, that the reason we have an electoral college and how that actually works so people understand they vote and what happens with their vote? So historically, the um, framers of the Constitution was trying to protect the rights of the smaller states uh, so that uh, if the smaller states uh, are not overpowered by the big states like you know, New York and California, so that with the electoral college system, and also back then, you know, we didn't have internet or telephone, so it would make it a little bit easier to get the results also tallied, you know, for presidential election. So the actual per people that vote for the president, uh, the popular votes really has very 
very little uh, meaning to it, believe it or not. It's actually the Electoral College vote. And as we learn, right, Al Gore uh, and also, in this case, uh, Hillary Clinton, both won the popular votes. But it was the Electoral College vote that decided that George W. Bush, or in this case, Donald J. Trump, became the president. Uh, and so the, the reasoning uh, behind that is because uh, even though, let's say, um, uh, Hillary has more uh, popular vote, mm-hmm. uh, the majority of the votes uh, of the state, uh, say California, even though she won by, say, 60 or 70 percent, 100 percent of those uh, delegates' votes uh, would go toward the winner. And so it's kind of like a uh, winner-takes-all type situation. So by winning barely in some of the small states, you could actually collect a lot of those electoral college votes, and I think that's exactly what happened. And, you know, with states like Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Florida, which are relatively big states, and the thing is, since those are what we call purple states, that tends to swing either Democrat or Republican, depending on the candidates, uh, if you win those even by, say, 100,000 votes, which is what exactly happened, like in Pennsylvania, uh, all the electoral college Votes of Pennsylvania went with Donald Trump in this case. So through those the, the system, even though the state voted only like fifty one forty nine percent, that fifty one percent gave a hundred percent of the electoral college vote to the candidate one. So that's how we skewed the results, uh, unfortunately. And I think that that's is, what we got. We that's how we got to the White House. That is very interesting. And, and just so for our listeners to know, if for some crazy reason now California has how many electoral votes it's 50 something isn't it 50 what is it 50 I, I don't recall the specific number but definitely have the most number of electoral uh, college votes than any other states right so in, in, in the way you explain the system if at some some way that California when all the people in California voted if 10 more people voted democratically versus Republicans all 55 or 50 something of those electoral votes go toward that Democratic uh, elected person, right? Correct. Yeah, that's how that's how the system works for the general election. Um, for the for the uh, primary election, might be a little bit different mm-hmm. within the party. Mm-hmm. So there is possible that these people would get split up in terms of the number of delegates. Uh, but you know, it's a lot of this insider stuff. That uh, unfortunately, it's uh, I, I think I think that's why um, the uh, the last time you recall there was a lot of uh, upset people regarding the uh, super delegate situation on the Democratic Party. And this year, actually, the uh, Democratic Party. Uh, has voted uh, themselves as those superdelegates to not have that power having the influence as they used to. So this time around, the so-called superdelegates uh, would not have that uh, vote uh, that would affect the uh, nomination of the uh, Democratic candidate in the first vote. It would only be based on the votes of the people only. But now, could you explain that to our listeners? When somebody hear they hear they hear the terms on the radio all the time, superdelegates. What is a superdelegate? Right. Those are actually called unpledged delegates. Those are the folks who uh, have a right to basically have a, a special uh, power, a special vote uh, that is not uh, related to the how the people vote. Uh, and it, at the time, it was about close to about like I think 10 to 15 percent of the total uh, vote needed in order to qualify for the nomination. Uh, and last time around, Hillary Clinton was able to uh, secure a lot of those votes, and that's why a lot of the, uh, a lot of the Bernie Sanders uh, supporter felt the system was um, 
rigged in a sense, right, to, to, mm-hmm. to a different candidate, uh, which, of course, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, even the popular votes why Hillary still won, but, you know, it just left a bad taste of people's mouth. And so I think this is the reason why the Democratic Party has changed the system this time around for that vote uh, not to be an issue at the, at the first round, at least. Well, I'd like for, I'd like, Otto, for our listeners to hear about what you're going to be doing uh, coming March 3rd of next year, because you've tossed your name into the hat to be the county supervisor for District 3. Why do you feel, Otto, that you are that person that our listeners should listen to and why they should vote for you? So I just retired last year after 28 years of the U.S. Navy Reserve as a Navy commander. Uh, I served a year in Iraq, actually, in 2009, and uh, was was actually the uh, uh, individual who helped um, draw down the, I was the chief of the drawdown logistics policy uh, in Iraq, actually. We helped uh, for the one year while I was in Baghdad. I was uh, helping you close over 200 bases in Iraq to help move the material and people and bring our uh, troops home. So I'm very honored to have the uh, opportunity to serve uh, boots on the ground to see uh, what it takes for a large uh, movement like we did. And this is the largest drawdown since basically Vietnam. Uh, and having served eight years in the Sunnyvale City Council prior, where I was also the mayor of Sunnyvale, we've been able to push a lot of very exciting green initiative uh, to, to, like for example, like you know, uh, stopping those uh, single-use plastic bans, uh, Mm-hmm. to help the environment, including putting a lot more solar panels on a lot of the public office buildings. Um, and this all happened back in even the uh, mid-2000s, uh, the start of the kind of green uh, movement. And I'm very glad to see that happening uh, in our city. But I think we certainly can have a lot more of that uh, ideas coming through uh, in our county as well. Uh, believe it or not, uh, the, every single uh, public buses now in major Chinese cities are all electric. Mm. And we're not even there yet. Uh, and I think these are some things that we're trying to go hybrid, which is good. Uh, CNG, natural gas, I hate to tell people, natural gas is not green. They actually mm. still emit lots of greenhouse gases. The way to go is we really need to go electric, electric car, uh, electric buses, electric vehicles. And so those are the ideas that I really think is long overdue. And I think it's something that next time around when we're replacing our bus fleet, for example, we really don't need to wait 20 or 30 years. We really need to do it now. Um, that would really help save our environment. Um, another idea is our, our transportation is we got too many traffic jams and you know try to build housing. Uh, housing is not affordable. We need to build more housing, absolutely. But when you mm-hmm. densely build a lot of housing, which is the right way to do it, but not first taking care of the streets and transportation, you get a lot of traffic jams, and that that uh, makes it hard for people to get to work. Um, and one good example was like the Mopitas uh, BART station. It's very close to finishing, mm-hmm. but they already let the let the housing uh, people moving in there. But the BART has been delayed opening, so that area is a nightmare now in the morning and evening uh, because they expect a lot of people to be taking BART, but turns out they actually have to rely on cars because the BART station hasn't opened yet, right? Mm. So it's these type of ideas we really need to um, uh, put a lot more into our infrastructure spending, a lot of more uh, overpasses, what we call great separation. So get rid of those lights. Um, you know, when, when, when people are driving uh, on these uh, so-called, we have, you know, expressway, uh, but even though we call it expressway, but we have traffic lights, you know, every <laughs> two blocks or three blocks.
off. That's all right. <laughs> Crazy, huh? And great separations need to be put in, you know, yesterday. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, Bart really needs to come in, you know, a year ago. And so those are the, the ideas I'm going to push really hard to make sure that the, the green initiative, the public transportation investment, you know, or, or, or some type of a transportation like light rail or even something faster, more modern, to the east side, uh, east rich area to serve the un- underserved population. Those are things that really needs to happen ASAP. Um, and well, we only got about well, we only got about a minute or so left, Otto. But I want you to give our listeners a way to reach you to help support you and to work with you so you can get elected. Is there a website, phone numbers, emails, or something you can give Otto, and you take your time? Sure. The best way to reach me is online, which is my website, uh, otto auto lee l e e o t t o l e e dot org uh and uh, that's a good place where you can sign up to uh learn more about our upcoming events newsletter uh if you would like to volunteer and like to endorse this campaign please sign up and we'll look forward to have you join our team uh it's a very important position we the the county is where we support the, the valley medical center the the public safety net, uh, drug abuse programs, mental health, criminal justice system, social justice, uh, transportation. Uh, this is where the rubber hits the road. So I do really think that this is an extremely important position, and I look forward to a very exciting debate and election and hope that it will become your next county supervisor representing you. And one quick little factoid I just want to mention on mm-hmm. the trademark side. Uh, one of my most exciting clients that I've had the honor to serve as the gentleman named Prince Rogers Nelson. For some very listener might know, that's actually Prince, who unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. Prince and Roger was Nelson was your year. client? Prince? Yes, I represented him for to register his trademark Prince and Purple Rain. Wow. And, uh, Man, yeah, Otto, so. just just on that alone, Otto, we're going to have to we're going to have to bring you back. <laughs> we're out of time right now, but we want to thank our guest, Mr. Otto Lee. And if you'd like to hear this show again, just go to our website under blackchamber.com, click on radio and hit podcast. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections with Carl Davis Jr. and brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce. More information about today's show is available by going to the Chamber's website, blackchamber.com. That's blackchamber.com. Or call 408-288-8806. That's 408-288-8806. Copies of our podcast are available online at blackchamber.com. If you would like to know more about a specific guest or make recommendations for upcoming guests and topics, email info at blackchamber.com. Keeping you connected. Silicon Valley Business Connections. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.